Good morning. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Tuesday, May 17th, 2022, and we are live broadcasting right here on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the Future Radio, and on our social media platforms, our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. So we're going to give you an update on what happened in Buffalo, New York today. We know President Joe Biden, First Lady Jill Biden were there in uh, Buffalo and they were at the um, site of the uh, the memorial at the uh, Topps Friendly Market. President Biden gave a speech today as well and he uh, denounced white supremacy and the great replacement theory. He said white supremacy is a poison he called on all to denounce it. Uh, so I'm going to let you hear some of what happened today. And I'm going to also tell you what Biden should have said today. Uh, he called for an assault rifle ban and called for keeping guns out of the hands of mentally ill people. So he said some good things today, but there were some other things that are actually taking place that he, I think he should have talked about as well. So we'll give you an update on what's taking place with the investigation. We'll get, we'll let you hear some of what um, Biden had to say today. And then I'm going to uh, tell you what Biden should have said also. And then we know today um, house Democrats, um introduced a bill it's the where they brought the bill back up the domestic terrorism prevention act the domestic terrorism prevention act and this is behind the attack in buffalo new york so we'll talk about that as well that's, that's very very important there was a good piece from axios.com um, from, I think the six, the, uh, that was from today, axios.com, the hill.com has an article from, uh, Monday, the 16th, the hill.com has an article from Monday, the 16th house Democrats planning to move domestic terrorist terrorism bill following Buffalo shooting. So we'll discuss this as well, because one of the reasons why the bill has not gotten farther is because of a fear of infringing on First Amendment rights. But this is a modified bill that uh, in some of the uh, House Democrats, some of the progressives have had an input on this. So we'll talk about this also. This is something that really should have been talked about more today, I think. Uh, in Biden's speech, but also in the media. This should have been talked about more today. It got very little coverage. All right, so we'll discuss that as well. Okay, so we'll discuss that also. Okay, so on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow the people to do to you and get away with 
It's based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you've been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. Uh, if we look at this article here, we're going to go to clip one here in just a second, Shakita. Also, we'll give you some information about the uh, online class I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Ten-week online class. Our next class is uh, this Saturday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Somebody posted about white fears, King Saul. Yeah, there's a lot of white fears going on. So a lot of white fears going on. It's tied right to this 2022 midterm election. Primaries are today. We see the great replacement theory embraced by um, probably about 25 to 30% of Republicans. We see some Republican candidates embracing the great replacement theory, championed by Tucker Carlson on Fox News, Senator Chuck Schumer, Send a letter to Fox News, blasting Fox News and Tucker Carlson, okay, over pushing the Great Replacement Theory that was embraced by Peyton Grindon, Gendron, Peyton Gendron, the uh, alleged uh, murderer. All right. And for those that don't understand journalism, uh, when you read articles written by credible news outlets, when you listen to journalists, when you listen to uh, credible talk show hosts, things like this. They refer to him as alleged because he has not been convicted yet because you open your, uh, you open yourself up for, for a lawsuit calling somebody a murderer or a killer and they have not been convicted. That's just basic journalism one-on-one. This piece right here from Washington Post. Biden assails bigotry after Buffalo attack says white supremacy is a poison, says white supremacy supremacy is a poison. Now, Mitch McConnell was asked about this today. He didn't go as far as Biden. He, he, he didn't go as far as denouncing white supremacy is a poison and, and denouncing. He said the great replacement theory is wrong no much embraces something to that fact. He, he, he wasn't he didn't give a full throated denouncement of the Mitch McConnell because he knows about 30 believe the great replacement theory. President Biden said Tuesday that the gunman who killed 10 people at the uh, Topps grocery store, Topps friendly grocery uh, grocery store, uh, carried out a murderous, racist rampage, decrying at length an attack that he called, quote unquote, domestic terrorism. President Biden called this domestic terrorism, which it is. And it's being it's also being investigated by the FBI, by the Department of Justice as an act at of domestic terrorism and a hate crime. Um, visiting, well, as a hate crime, I should say, um, Christopher Ray referred to it as domestic terrorism, but it's, it's definitely being um, uh, investigated as a hate crime. And more charges are coming. This is, this investigation just started. Visiting a city in mourning three days after the bloodshed President Biden said, quote, evil did come to Buffalo. Authority said a white 18-year-old travel. Now, they should say 18-year-old man. A white 18-year-old man traveled hundreds of miles to the city, about 200 miles from uh, Conklin, uh, New York. Traveled about 200 miles and opened fire at this grocery store in a predominantly African-American neighborhood on Saturday, March, uh, Saturday, May 14th. 
Investigators believe the attacker posted a rambling racist screed online beforehand declaring himself a white supremacist. Declaring himself a white supremacist. All right, let's go to, uh, I'm going to go to clip number one. This is from Good Morning America from uh, Monday, uh, Monday, May 16th. Let's go to this clip, please, Shakita. Clip number one. Again, talking in this country about massive shootings, and particularly the one in New York over the weekend happened on Saturday, left 10 people dead, three others injured. The 18-year-old suspect is in police custody. 11 of the 13 victims shot were black, and authorities say this was a racially motivated hate crime. Here to discuss is New York Congressman Brian Higgins, who represents Buffalo and its surrounding area. Welcome, Congressman Higgins. Thank you for being on the show. And as you know, this is a close-knit community. It's deeply religious. Churches were filled yesterday with people mourning the loss of their brothers and sisters. Tell me how your community is holding up. What's the way forward in the wake of this? Well, well, Buffalonians are tough, and we're a resilient community, and we hope to learn from this and uh, use that knowledge uh, and this experience, this very difficult experience, from which to grow stronger as a community and grow closer uh, as a community. Congressman, what, what was your reaction to? Look, we, we've unfortunately become accustomed to mass shootings. Um, but what was your reaction then when you heard about the possible motivations, the racially motivated, uh, the, the motivations there of the shooter? Well, it was very clear that this is a racist act of domestic terrorism. Uh, the shooter has been charged with first-degree murder. Uh, there are other charges uh, pending. Uh, but like a lot of people in this community, we are close to the community, and uh, there is shock, uh, and there is a lot of confusion. And uh, people are you know, coming together. Uh, as you mentioned at the top of the uh, segment, that uh, churches were filled yesterday. I was uh, in the True Bethel Church uh, with many other elected officials and police officials along with the community and uh, members, family members of those who were shot. Uh, as you mentioned, there were 10 individuals that were killed, ages 23 through 86 years old. Uh, one of the victims, the 86-year-old woman, uh, was the mother of a former Buffalo police commissioner, former fire commissioner. Uh, so it's a, it's a sad day, um, and we're uh, trying to do the best that we can, uh, assist those who need grief counseling, and uh, just be good citizens of the city of Buffalo, which is known as the city of good neighbors. Congressman, you said you hope to learn from this. There was a police investigation, as you know, into the shooter. Uh, reportedly, he had hate-filled uh, posts all throughout major social media platforms. He had an obsession for white supremacy and for mass shootings. This young man walked into uh, a store and was able to purchase the assault weapon that he used to kill 10 people in your community. Why is that possible? What can be done to prevent something like this from happening? Okay, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Ido Network International, in collaboration with STL Black Woman, DACA, and ACTA, present the Royal Pilgrimage to the Americas, August 24th through the 28th. The African kings and queens are coming to you for business, networking, and sharing of Pan-African ideals. The venue will be the illustrious En Garde Arts Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri. A royal cultural experience and exhibition, 
trade and investment opportunities in Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas, a Royal Pan-African Summit hosting keynote speakers, and a red carpet banquet. Come and witness our African Royal Coronation Ceremony. Register at www.idonetwork.org to book your ticket to wine and dine with African royalty. Vendor opportunities available. Get face-to-face with the royals who own the land and resources for business. Contact DACA for deal room information at 602-730-4572. Stand by. Somebody said all they have to do is pay reparations and problem eradicate it. No, the problem is y'all don't do no damn research, do you? No, the problem is not eradicated paying reparations. You you ever heard of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, North Tulsa? You do realize that you had you do realize you had African-Americans who were former slaves of the Creek Indians and they got land and they got what you will call reparations because of the Black Freeman Indian treaties of 1866. And Black Wall Street was still attacked. No. People need to do more research. The Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866, Tulsa, Oklahoma, was founded by Creek Indians when they went when they went into Tulsa after they got pushed off of their land in the southeastern United States because of the end removal after 1830. They took the African slaves with them. The Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians all own African slaves. They all went into Oklahoma, set up, uh, 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 set up uh, uh, townships, things like this. Tulsa comes from the Creek Indian word Tulasi. No, just paying reparations don't solve that. And the problem is, is that people misunderstand the how the reparations have to be comprehensive. One of the things you have to do is change the laws and policies that keep inflicting harm today. I don't know where y'all get this simple Simon ass nonsense from. Tap in the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, May 17th, 2022, and we are live. Call in numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number. If you have a quick question or comment. So uh, this is a bad allergy season also so my, i'm allergic to pollen so my allergy is flaring up some uh so just bear with me we're going to go back to this clip here in just a minute this is from um good morning america monday monday morning may 16 2022 you listen listening to new york uh representative brian higgins of the 26th district congressional district he's a democrat he discussed, he's discussing Saturday's deadly mass shooting in Buffalo. I think Representative Higgins needs to be more visible in, in the media and explaining how, explaining how federal funding is helping 
the uh, Buffalo East Side area, Buffalo, Niagara, uh, East Side area, that community where the uh, Tops Friendly Market is. It's a very segregated area. There was an article that we talked about on yesterday's show uh, from the New York Times. Gunmen targeted black neighborhood. Gunmen targeted black neighborhoods shaped by decades of segregation. And you had the uh, the expressway, the Kensington Expressway, came through in um, 1950s and 60s and helped divide the community. So you're dealing with a community that now is, well, before the Tops market was there and they had to fight for years to get the market, uh, get Tops to come in and put the market there. But now you really have a food desert. So I think he should talk about how American Rescue Plan funding has helped the area help keep schools open, things like this. He should talk about additional funding that people can tap into, whether it's small business loans, SBA money, whether it's uh, any type of grant money, things like this. He should talk about money that's available from the federal government, uh, but also those in the state legislature, those who represent, and I saw one sister who represents that area from the state legislature. I know she's doing as much as he can, but people should also talk about the type of resources that are, are are available because a lot of times in situations like this, and I heard, I read some of the comments, New York Times has an article, and I'll show you the article briefly, but as an article from African-Americans there in the community about Biden's visit, what they thought about his speech, things like this. And it's a, a lot of times it seems like people forget that they have a governor they have a state legislature, they have a county executive, they have county commissioners, mayor, city council, there's local government, state local government. So funding doesn't just come from the federal government, funding also comes from the state and local government. So everybody bears responsibility here. Everybody bears responsibility here, but Another thing that I think is important, and uh, Representative Higgins should talk about this, Representative Brian Higgins, we're going to go back to this clip in just a minute. He should talk about the infrastructure bill, because one of the things the infrastructure bill uh, is going to do, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that only 19 Republicans in the Senate voted for, and uh, only about 14, I think, Republicans in the House voted for, even though it was a bipartisan bill that started in the uh, Senate. One of the things is going to do in addition to, and if we go to this right here, in addition to removing lead pipes, replacing lead pipes uh, from communities like Flint, Michigan. And when the Flint water crisis hit, there was a study that came out that said that 3000 communities across the country, had higher lead levels in their water than Flint, Michigan. A lot of those communities, communities have high African-American and Latino populations. So the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill 
will reverse decades of disinvestment through the bipartisan infrastructure law, even though majority of Republicans voted against the bill. For years, politicians have talked about investing in our national infrastructure, but up until now, they failed to follow through. The lack of investment has fallen mostly on black and other communities. The lack of investment has fallen mostly on black and other communities of color. The bipartisan infrastructure law will replace lead pipes, increase access to good paying jobs, expand affordable high-speed internet, especially in areas that don't have high-speed internet, like in rural America and 25% of African Americans live in rural America. It will increase reliable public transit, clean drinking water, but this right here, very few Republicans talk about this. Reconnect black neighborhoods divided by legacy highway infrastructure and other resources to finally give black communities a fair shot at the, at, at the American dream. This, these are things that the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that only 19 out of 50 Republicans in the, in the Senate voted for and only I think 14 out of about 215 Republicans out of the House voted for. This is something that they should really be talking about. How the infrastructure bill is going to help that, that Buffalo uh, uh, community that has been the victim of decades of neglect and segregation as the article from the New York Times that we laid out yesterday breaks down. Okay, this is something that, that, that they should talk about. So gunmen targeted black neighborhoods shaped by decades of segregation. They go through on page two, they talk about how uh, the, uh, the destruction caused by the creation of the Kensington Expressway Okay, the highway, the Kensington Expressway is about two blocks from the Topps supermarket uh, where the tragedy took place. The destruction caused by the creation of the Kens Kensington Expressway, which was part of that um, U.S. Interstate Highway Act of 1952 and 56, okay, that drove about 41,000 miles of U.S. Interstate Highways across the country and it went to went through 1600 african-american communities wiping out homes wiping out businesses wiping out communities like when i-375 came through uh black bottom and in, in uh, uh here in detroit um a trick uh it, it, the kinston expressway including included the raising of humboldt parkway h-u-m-b-o-l-d-t Parkway, a tree-lined public space designed by the legendary architect Frederick Law Olmsted. It has been described as the spine, S-P-I-N-E, the spine of the black middle-class neighborhood that was emerging at the time when the expressway ran through and disrupted this community, the Kensington Expressway. Check this out. Pollution from the expressway, the Kensington Expressway, which helped give residents of mostly white suburbs easy access to the city center, has done long-term damage to the health of the people living near it, largely African-Americans. 
the road also the kensington expressway also cut black residents of the east side off from key community institutions like banks and grocery stores according to a 2018 report from the partnership for the public good so one of the things that representative brian higgins as well as president joe biden and others should talk about is how the uh, uh, in addition to the american rescue plan but especially this right here the 1.2 trillion dollar infrastructure bill how is going to help that community in my opinion they should talk about this okay let's go back to this clip here uh well time for another break okay we'll continue that break we'll continue the clip on the other side of break i'll let you hear the rest of this here and then uh, i want you to hear what happened uh today we'll play a little bit of the uh press conference from uh president joe biden listen to the african history network show i'm michael m hotel we'll be back in a few minutes what does self-care mean to you to us it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature a chance to create something remarkable at Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, it's larger than the art world and I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Natori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. And the Super Station, the oldest radio station in town since 1922. Welcome back to the African History Network show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. All right, it is uh, Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. Uh, I want to go back to uh, this clip here. This is from Good Morning America, and this is uh, New York uh, Congressman Brian Higgins of the 26th Congressional District. He's a Democrat. He is talking about the tragedy. This is from uh, Monday morning, May 16, 2022. Good morning, America. Let's go back to this clip, please. Keep it. Okay. Well, there should be a ban on assault weapons. Assault weapons aren't used for hunting. They're used to kill people. 
And, uh, you know, we as a nation have become numb to this. Uh, there's too much gun violence uh, in Buffalo and throughout the nation, uh, and it's pervasive and it's growing. So there is legislation uh, in the House that I'm a co-sponsor of. We will push uh, to try to get uh, the votes uh, in the Senate for this legislation. But as you know, uh, for anything to become law, it has to pass in the House the Senate uh, before it goes to the president for signature. Uh, the president will be here tomorrow with the first lady, and I'm uh, hopeful uh, that uh, out of this terrible, terrible tragedy, some good can come from it relative to uh, keeping our people safe. Uh, this is a very difficult time in Buffalo, uh, but throughout the nation as well, um, and I'm confident that we'll get through this, uh, but things have to change, and uh, the status quo is not acceptable. Congressman, you used two phrases here, the city of good neighbors and you said close-knit community. Um, but I have to bring up, and many people are right now, uh, that this, this area, Buffalo, that particular zip code, is you can find it on the list of the most segregated cities uh, really in this country. And many black residents there feel for a long time that their lives haven't been valued and feel a long time that they've been subjected to less than when it comes to schools, when it comes to places like grocery stores. So can you speak to the black community there for a minute? When you say something has to change, um, what change can you say or talk to them about now when they feel like they are once again the victims of racism? Yeah, that's a very fair question, and it's 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 a reasonable conclusion. Uh, and we have to do better. Uh, we have to be more inclusive. We have to be more equitable. Uh, I think the pandemic over the past uh, you know, two and a half years uh, has demonstrated, has exposed, has revealed uh, the fragility of the American economy and American society. And we have to do better uh, for uh, the citizens uh, of our city generally, uh, but this community in particular. Uh, it was very hard uh, to get a top supermarket in this community community. This was a food desert. Um, uh, but there is a supermarket here that will open again. And uh, we have a lot of money from the federal government, the state government, uh, to redevelop uh, Jefferson Avenue, where we're standing right now. Uh, tens of millions of dollars. We're going to uh, restore a parkway that was uh, decimated uh, because of express expressway building in the 1960s. So these are the kinds of things that we're going to try to do, and we need to see, we need to hear, we need to understand, we need to be empathetic, and we need to be generous uh, with our, our neighbors. Uh, uh, you can't have a thriving city with sections of the city that are not thriving. So uh, that's what we have to do, and we will do it. Uh, I know that's something uh, a lot of your citizens there would be glad to hear and certainly want to see some action on it moving forward. Congressman Higgins, I know it's a busy and painful time for uh, your community there, so we do appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. Pa pause it right there. Okay. Th that was a good question that T.J. Holmes asked, who's African-American. Representative Brian Higgins then talks about the money coming from the federal government is coming from the infrastructure bill. Like I laid out, he said, it's going to help redevelop that area that was damaged by the expressway, the Kensington expressway. That was part of the U S interstate highway act in 1952 and 1956. Okay. But that's something I think Biden should have talked about today in speech. I know he was denouncing white supremacy and things like this. That's important. But this right here, talking about the development coming from the infrastructure bill, Representative Higgins said there's millions and millions of tens of millions of dollars available. And it's coming from the federal government. OK, which is which is why it was important for Representative Higgins to say this in Good Morning America. But 
I think this message should be on MSNBC. It should be on all the all the news outlets. And this is something that Biden should have talked about today. Okay, the the these the these things are taking place. These this redevelopment is going to take place. But I think Biden should have also talked about that in his speech today. I don't know how much time he had for his speech or what have you, but I think he should have talked about that in the speech today. Okay, so um, and you also another thing that has to happen is that you have to connect the people in the community with the resources. You have to. It's, it's one thing to have the money coming, redevelopments coming, things like this. There are going to be jobs coming. You have to connect those people in the community to those jobs that are coming that because the infrastructure bill is going to create jobs also. Okay. So all that has to go together. Um, I want to go to, this is a two minute clip here. This is from uh, good morning America today, uh, uh, May 17th, 2022. We're going to clip two Shakita online documents appear to show Buffalo shooters plan the documents. The document appears to chronicle how Peyton Gendron, allegedly planned his attack two months before the deadly rampage at Tops Friendly Market in Buffalo, New York, according to law enforcement sources. Let's go to clip two, please. Justice correspondent Pierre Thomas Pierre, every hour that goes by, more warning signs missed. George, good morning. Law enforcement officials are locking in on a new document which allegedly contains scores of social media posts from the Buffalo suspect showing how he was involved in meticulous planning at least two months before the massacre. The document contains photos of guns, even details on the layout of the store. The suspect was apparently writing on the social media platform Discord, which allows some level of private communication among peers using the site. It's unclear who, if anyone, was seeing those Discord messages. Authorities say it's imperative to answer that question because anyone who was reading those messages would have known perhaps weeks in advance that the suspect was amassing an arsenal and had it designed a sadistic plot to kill black people at that store, George. So, Pierre, there's no routine screening of forums like Discord. And how concerned should parents be about these social media sites? They should be very concerned, and there's growing concern among law enforcement that platforms like Discord, which is popular with gamers and others, can also be a covert chat room for toxic ideas and violence. ABC News has obtained a bulletin from the NYPD saying as much. Discord says it's cooperating with authorities, saying in a statement overnight, hate and violence have no place on Discord. A senior law enforcement official telling me that the suspect appears to have intensified his time on hate-filled social media sites during the pandemic, George. Yeah, Thomas, thanks. All right. You can pause right there. We love Robin, but we don't need to hear from her right now. Okay. <laughs> so... Great reporting there from Pierre Thomas for ABC News also. I wanted to give you that update there as well. More information is coming out. Um, and you have, let me see, there was a piece I was trying to find here. Oh, this one right here from NBC News. Um, Buffalo suspect considered, considered attacking elementary schools churches according to online chat logs okay number one this is somebody that had like way too much time on their hands this somebody this dude had like way too much time on his hands okay buffalo suspect considered attacking elementary schools churches according to online chat logs and logs that appear to be from a discord server the discord uh, uh service 
server managed by the primary suspect in the grocery uh, rampage that killed 10. Schools and churches were floated as preliminary targets. This is from Monday, May 16th, 2022, uh, NBCnews.com. An account with the same handle used by primary uh, suspect in the mass shooting at Buffalo, New York grocery store posted in online chats uh, about terrorizing in elementary school, churches, and other locations he believes will have high percentages of African-Americans. The Discord chat logs show the cold racist calculus that is believed to have gone into the attack, which killed 10 people and wounded three others at the Buffalo Tops Friendly Market. Discord is a chat app that allows users to create private communities around shared interests, private communities around shared interests, okay? Um, okay, so read the rest of this here. Uh, I wanna go to clip three, uh, Shakita. Clip three is from, this is from uh, NBC Nightly News. Uh, today, Biden denounces hate and pushes for stricter gun control uh, during visit to Buffalo. Let's go to clip three, please. Okay. The, uh, all right. We'll go to clip three just as soon as it uh, queues up. We will not win, I promise you. Today, President Biden and the First Lady near the Topps grocery store at the memorial site for 10 people killed in a hate-fueled shooting rampage as they shopped on a Saturday afternoon. White supremacy is a poison that's been allowed to fester and grow right in front of our eyes. President Biden denouncing hate and again pushing for stricter gun control. We can keep assault weapons off our streets. We've done it before. And tonight, we're learning more about the 18-year-old suspect's months-long preparation for his twisted attack. NBC News has reviewed a series of online rants on the chat forum Discord, which appear to be written by the suspect, where he describes his reconnaissance mission at the store back in March, detailing how he mapped out the store's aisles, was confronted by a store security guard for repeatedly entering the store, and considered a school and churches as other possible targets he thought would have high percentages of black people. You think you've seen the suspect? No, I know I saw him. He was in my store. Rose Vasaki is a produce manager at Tops. He had said to me, you're out of place here. You look like you belong out in the suburbs. On the day of the shooting spree, she took cover in a conference room. I could hear the gun. It was just like massive gunshots, just massive. And you could hear them getting closer and closer and closer. While nearby, eight-year-old London Thomas hid behind her dad. The suspect opened fire. We all ran to the back, like at the place where the milk reaches at. He was shooting at the milk, and then the milk was like leaking through the middle. The staggering loss here is heartbreaking. Roberta Drury, Marcus Morrison, Andre McNeil, Aaron Salter, Celestine Cheney, Hayward Patterson, Catherine Massey, Pearl Young, Ruth Whitfield, and Geraldine Talley. Kelly's sister describing her final moments shopping with her fiance. He said bullets were actually flying by his head. And I do believe at that time, my sister was already shot. Yeah, Emily, now a New York prosecutor is weighing in on how authorities responded following the suspect's threat at his high school last year. 
It's a Broome County District Attorney says police and school officials followed protocols when they. Okay, we're coming up on the break. Just back it up about 20 or 30 seconds, Shakita, so we can finish that on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995, and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008, and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021, and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human, were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on the Antenna and the Superstation Future Radio. Okay, I want to go back to this clip here from uh, NBC Nightly News. Biden denounces hate and pushes for stricter gun control during visit to Buffalo, New York. Let's go back to the clip, please. Emily, now a New York prosecutor is weighing in on how authorities responded following the suspect's threat at his high school last year. Lester, that's right. The Broome County District Attorney says police and school officials followed protocols when they put the suspect in a mental health evaluation to assume release. Lester. Emily, thank you. All right. Okay, so today... Um, as we said at the top of the show, President Joe Biden, First Lady Jill Biden, they were in uh, Buffalo, New York. They uh, visited the memorial at the uh, Top Sterling Grocery Market. They met with uh, victims and the families, uh, things like that. There's a good article from the Washington Post. Biden assails bigotry after Buffalo attack says white supremacy is a poison. Uh, if we go back to this here quickly, we're going to clip four. Cue it up at the three minute, 40 second mark, please. We're going to clip number four from whitehouse.gov. Um, visiting a city in mourning three days after the bloodshed, Biden said evil did come to Buffalo. Evil did come to Buffalo. Now, authorities uh, said the white 18 year old man traveled hundreds of miles to the city and open fire in the market in a predominantly African-American neighborhood on Saturday afternoon. Investigators believe the attacker posted 
a rambling racist screed online beforehand declaring himself a white supremacist. Speaking not far from the grocery store, President Biden took part in took part in what has become a grim tradition of presidents visiting shaken communities after yet another mass shooting. He also made explicit connections among some of these attacks, invoking by name places such as El Paso, Texas, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Charleston, South Carolina, where officials said people accused or convicted of mass killings were fueled by bigotry and hatred. He said white supremacy is a poison and it's been allowed to fester and grow right in front of our eyes, Biden said. No more, quote unquote, no more. Now, the president assailed what he called a hatred driven through the news media, politics and the Internet that has, quote unquote, radicalized, that has radicalized people into falsely believing that they will be replaced. It has radicalized people into falsely believing that they will be replaced like the uh, great replacement conspiracy theory that Tucker Carlson on Fox News and others push. The rambling statement posted online touched on the racist theory of white people being intentionally replaced, an idea that once held by fringe actors and has more recently gained traction on right-wing television shows and among some elected officials. Republicans, some elected Republicans. Now, Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, Democrat from New York, on Tuesday sent a letter asking the owners of Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, to curb any on-air language suggestive of the theory. In addition to that, we need to boycott the advertisers of Fox News, especially the Tucker Carlson show. In addition to this letter that Chuck Schumer sent, we need to withdraw economic support from those inflicting harm upon us, as Reverend Dr. King said, April 3rd, 1968, redistribute the pain through targeted, sustained economic withdrawal strategies. Uh, let's go uh, to clip four, please, uh, Shakita. I know it's not easy. I want to thank your law enforcement officers for not just what they did in this crisis, but for accommodating us and all the elected officials and law enforcement officers, first responders and faith leaders that are here today. Jill and I have come uh, to stand with you, and to the families, we've come to grieve with you. It's not the same, but we know a little bit what it's like to lose a piece of your soul, when you lose a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father. The feeling of having that, as I said to some of you when we talked privately, you feel like there's a black hole in your chest you're being sucked into. And, you're suffocating, unable to, unable to breathe. That's what it felt like, at least to us, and I'm sure some version of that feels that way to you. The anger, the pain, the depth of a loss that's so profound. You know, we know it's hard to believe, and you're probably not going to believe it, but I can tell you now, from our personal experience and many others who we've met, the day's going to come, it will come, when your loved one brings a smile as you remember him or her, as you remember her, it's going to bring a smile to your lip before it brings a tear to your eye. It takes a while for that to happen. It takes a while. It might take more than a season. 
But our prayer for you is that that time comes sooner or later, but I promise you it will come. As a nation, I say to the families, we remember them. We've been reading about them. We visit the memorial where they show the love for them, and you've all shown by the supermarket. And uh, Celestine Cheney, 65 years old, brain cancer survivor, churchgoer, bingo player, went to buy strawberries to make her favorite shortcake. A loving mother and a grandmother. Roberta Drury, 32, beloved daughter and sister, moved back home to help take care of her brother after his bone marrow transplant. She went to buy groceries for dinner. The center of attention who made everyone in the room laugh and smile when she walked in. Andre McNeil, excuse me, Andre McNeil, 53, worked at a restaurant, went to buy his three-year-old son a birthday cake. His son selling a birthday. Ask him. Pause right there. Okay, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. And our YouTube channel, Mike Limhotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. We're going to continue this. Uh, we'll play the rest of that and uh, have some other comments. We're out of time here on that, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. Be sure to uh, register for the online history class I teach on Saturdays, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. It's uh, right on the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Classes on sale, $80, regularly $130. You don't have to be present in class. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch the class anytime. As soon as you register, you can watch um, last week's class, okay? And even a year from now, two years from now, the uh, class will still be live. You can, go, you can uh, still watch it there. And on Sundays, I teach um, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Okay, so that one's on sale eighty dollars, regularly one hundred thirty dollars as well. All right, um, we're out of time here. Right now, it's correct wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by. Okay, let's go back to uh, this clip here. Let me uh, cue this up here. Where are we? Okay, yeah, we're. His son selling a birthday, asking where's daddy. <clears throat> Catherine Massey, 72, a writer and an advocate who dressed up in costumes in schools and cut the grass in the park and helped in local elections, the glue of the family and the community. Marcus Morrison, 52, school bus aide went to buy snacks for a weekly movie night with the family, survived by his wife and three children and his stepdaughter, the center of their world. Hayward Patterson, 67, father, church deacon, fed the homeless at the soup kitchen, gave rides to the grocery store to neighbors who needed help, putting food in the trunk of others when he took his final breath. Aaron Solder, 55, retired Buffalo police officer for three decades. 
three decades. Loved electric cars. Hero gave his life to save others on a Saturday afternoon. And had that man not been wearing that vest that he purchased, bulletproof vest, a lot of lives would have been saved. A beloved father and husband. Geraldine Talley, 62, expert banker and known for her warm, gentle personality, a friend everybody, devoted mother and grandmother. Ruth Whitfield, 88, beloved wife, mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, sang in the church choir, a caretaker of her husband, bringing him clean clothes, cutting his hair, holding his hand every day she visited him in the nursing home heart as big as her head. Pearl Young, 77, a mother, grandmother, missionary of God, public school teacher, who also ran the local food pantry. Loved singing, dancing, and her family. And all three are injured. Zaire Goodman, 20, shot in the neck, but fighting through it. Jennifer Warrington, 50, Christopher Braden, 55, both treated with injuries on the long road to recovery. Individual lives of love, service, and community that speaks to the bigger story of who we are as Americans, a great nation, because we're good people. Jill and I bring you this message from deep in our nation's soul. In America, evil will not win, I promise you. Hate will not prevail. And white supremacy will not have the last word. For the evil did come to Buffalo. It's come to all too many places. Manifesting gunmen who massacred innocent people in the name of hateful and perverse ideology rooted in fear and racism. It's taken so much. Ten lives cut short in a grocery store. Three other wounded, three or three other wounded by a hate-filled individual who had driven 200 miles from Binghamton in that range to carry out a murderous, racist rampage that he would live stream, live stream to the world. What happened here is simple and straightforward: terrorism, terrorism, domestic terrorism violence inflicted in the service of hate and the vicious thirst for power that defines one group of people being inherently inferior to any other group. A hate that through the media and politics, the Internet, has radicalized, angry, alienated, lost, and isolated individuals into falsely believing that they will be replaced — that's the word — replaced by the other by people who don't look like them and who are, therefore, in a perverse ideology that they possess and being fed lesser beings. I and all of you reject the lie. I call on all Americans to reject the lie. And I condemn those who spread the lie for power, political gain, and for profit. That's what it is. We've now seen too many times the deadly and destructive violence this ideology unleashes. 
her the chance. You will not replace us in Charlottesville, Virginia. I wasn't going to run, as the senator knows, again for president. When I saw those people coming out of the woods or the fields in, in Virginia, in Charlottesville, carrying torches, shouting, you will not replace us, accompanied by white supremacists and carrying Nazi banners. That's when I said, no, no. And I, honest to God, those who know me, Chuck, you know, I wasn't going to run for certain. But I was going to be darned if I was going to let anyway. I'm going to get going. Look, we've seen the mass shootings in Charleston, South Carolina, El Paso, Texas, and Pittsburgh, last year in Atlanta, this week in Dallas, Texas, and now in Buffalo, in Buffalo, New York. White supremacy is a poison. It's a poison <laughs> running through our — it really is — running through our body politic. And it's been allowed to fester and grow right in front of our eyes. No more. I mean, no more. We need to say as clearly and force as we can that the ideology of white supremacy has no place in America. None. And look, failure for us to not say that — failure in saying that is going to be complicity. Silence is complicity. It's complicity. We cannot remain silent. Our nation's strength has always come from the idea. It's going to sound corny, but think about it. What's the idea of our nation? That we're all children of God. All life, liberty, our universal goods, gifts of God. We didn't get it from a government. We got it from because we exist. We're called upon to defend them. The venom of the haters and their weapons of war, the violence and the words and deeds the, 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 that stalk our streets, our stores, our schools, this venom, this violence cannot be the story of our time. We cannot allow that to happen. Look, I'm not naive. I know tragedy will come again. It cannot be forever overcome. It cannot be fully understood either. But there are certain things we can do. We can keep assault weapons off our streets. We've done it before. I did it when we passed the crime bill last time. And violence went down. Shootings went down. We can't prevent people from being radicalized to violence. But we can address the relentless exploitation of the Internet to recruit and mobilize terrorism. We just need to have the courage to do that, to stand up. Look, the American experiment in democracy is in a danger like it hasn't been in my lifetime. It's in danger this hour. Hate and fear are being given too much oxygen by those who pretend to love America, but who don't understand America. To confront the ideology of hate requires caring about all people, not making distinctions. Reverend, the Scripture is seeing that we're all part of the divine. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the America I know, that Jill knows. And most deserve the most — we de look, 
We're the most multiracial, most dynamic nation in the history of the world. Now's the time for the people of all races, from every background, to speak up as a majority in America and reject white supremacy. These actions we've seen in these hate-filled attacks represent the views of a hate-filled minority. We can't allow them to distort America, the real America. We can't allow them to destroy the soul of the nation. As President of the United States, I travel the world all the time. And other nations ask me, heads of state in other countries, ask me, what's going on? What in God's name happened on January 6th? What happened in Buffalo? What happened? They'll ask. We have to refuse to live in a country where black people going about a weekly grocery shopping can be gunned down by weapons of war deployed in a racist cause. We have to refuse to live in a country where fear and lies are packaged for power and for profit. We must all enlist in this great cause of America. This is work that requires all of us, presidents, politicians, commentators, citizens, None of us can stay in the sidelines. We have to re resolve that here in Buffalo, that from the tragedy, this tragedy will come hope and light and life. It has to. And that on our watch, the sacred cause of America will never bow, never break, never bend. And the American we love, the one we love, will endure. So to the families, from your pain, May we find purpose to live life worthy of the loved ones you lost. From a hymn based on the 91st Psalm, the sung in my church, may he raise you up on eagles' wings and bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his hand. That's my wish for us. We can do this if we resolve to do it, if we take on the haters and those who don't even care. It's just about profit and politics. May the soul of the fallen rest in peace and rise in glory. And may God guide the United States of America now and always to the families my grandpa used to say when I walked out of his home in Scranton, he'd say, Joey, spread the faith. And my grandma would yell, no, Joey. I mean, he'd say, keep the faith. And my grandma would say, no, Joey, spread the faith. We're thinking of you. Hold on to each other tightly. Stick together. You'll get through this. And we'll make Buffalo and the United States a better place to live than it is today. Okay, so that is a speech from today in Buffalo, New York, President Joe Biden. Uh, you can watch that at whitehouse.gov. They have all the speeches and speeches from Vice President Kamala Harris at whitehouse.gov. Um, and, and it's on White, White House, the White House YouTube channel, the White House YouTube channel, I should say, whitehouse.gov on YouTube. Okay, now, um, I already said some of my comments before I played the speech of some other things that he should have said 
I was going to call in the Reverend Al Sharpton's radio show today because Reverend Sharpton was talking about it. And uh, but I was on hold too long. I had time to stay on hold. I had other things to do. But so I already, I already said those things, the, the resources and things like that. I think Biden should have talked about as well. What, what Representative Brian Higgins um, of the 26th Congressional District, Democrat of New York, who represents that Buffalo area. What he said on Good Morning America and the clip that I played and talked about the money coming from the infrastructure bill to help. Uh, revitalize that community, things like this. I think Biden should have talked about that in the in the speech. These different pieces are are here or are going to happen because the bill's already been passed. But I think all that should have been put together in that speech to let people know in that community what's coming, the revitalization that's coming. I think he also should have talked about how the American Rescue Plan helps keep schools open and funding for schools and teachers, things like that. Um, the, this is, uh, something that happened today. So the, uh, domestic terrorism prevention act is being, is being, uh, brought up by Democrats to be pushed through the house and the Senate. So that the government will have more tools to stop white supremacists like Peyton Gendry. This is an article from Axios.com. From um, this is actually this is from uh, Tuesday. Buffalo shooting spurs congressional response. Buffalo shooting spurs congressional response. So Biden called on banning assault weapons things like that which takes the bill to be passed in Congress. Um, and he called for keeping guns out of the hand of the mentally ill, but I think he should have pushed this also. The Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act, the, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act put on ICE late last month, which would have been uh, April, put on ice late last month amid objections from progressive lawmakers will be taken up Tuesday by the House Rules Committee. The panel's chair, Representative Jim McGovern, Democrat of Massachusetts, told Axios, I think it takes on an urgency given current events. I think it takes on an urgency given current events. Now this is dealing with policy and the um, banning assault weapons, passing um, the law to have uh, mandatory background checks, all that. I think Biden should have called on people to call their members of the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate to vote yes on these bills, to push these bills through. I think that's something that he should have said in his speech today. Now, House Speaker, as well as, as, well as the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act, put pressure on Congress, especially Republicans in Congress, because you need 60 votes in the Senate 
So if all 50 Democrats vote, you still need 10 Republicans. You got to put pressure on Republicans also. Oftentimes, Republicans get a pay and obstructionist. That's stupid. You got to light that hands up as well. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi asked about the status of the legislation. When she was asked about the status of, of the legislation on Monday, she said it's in play. It's in play. Now, the bill will create offices within the Department of Homeland Security, Department of Justice, and the FBI focused on domestic terrorism, focused on domestic terrorism. So this is something I think that Biden should have really highlighted today because this was being brought up in the House up in the House uh, committee today as well. Now, and this is a revision to this bill. Representative Cori Bush, Democrat from Missouri, African-American woman, former activist, uh, member of the Congressional Black Caucus, Representative Cori Bush, some other progressives and groups, including the American Civil Liberties Union, last month, April 2022, voiced stringent objections concerned about government targeting and surveillance of civil rights activists and left-wing groups. Representative Cory Bush indicated on Monday, uh, May 15th, that many of her concerns have been smoothed over in negotiations uh, since, since uh, April, since April 2022. So that, because that was a sticking point because right now the, because of first amendment rights, the government can't do the type of preventive surveillance that they need to because you have to have a balance between First Amendment rights and being able to uh, see these warning signs when you got like an alleged domestic terrorist putting this stuff on the internet. And and they they don't they don't have a real like like um, when it comes to international terrorism. Like for instance, if this was a Muslim from uh, a Muslim country, Saudi Arabia, whatever it is. And this person was putting this stuff out on the internet because of international terrorism laws that the U.S. government has dealing with international terrorism. They can take more preventive, uh, preemptive actions. But you have First Amendment rights here. So this domestic terrorism this Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act would still generally respect First Amendment rights, but also give the federal government authority to do the type of surveillance that's needed to prevent things like this from happening or greatly reduce the number of mass shootings, especially things like this that are well planned out, well calculated, and there were signs along signs along the way. The bill's 207 co-sponsors, it takes 218 votes in the House of Representatives to get a bill passed. The bill's 207 co-sponsors include three moderate, three moderate Republicans, though every Republican on the House Judiciary Committee voted against advancing the bill in April 2022. 
So when people say the government needs to do something, no, a new, a new bill needs to be passed to create these uh, these task force and give the Department of Justice, the bill would create offices within the Department of Homeland Security, Department of Justice, and the FBI focused on domestic terrorism. A lot of Republicans don't want this is because a lot of their, uh, because they sympathize, a lot of them sympathize with domestic terrorists and, 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 and that's a, a bunch of their voters. So a lot of, a lot of Republicans are against this. Representative, uh, okay, let's go back here. Representative Benny Thompson, Democrat of Mississippi, African-American man, who's the chair of the House Homeland Subcommittee. Uh, he's chair of the House Homeland Security Committee. He's also, he's also the chair of the January 6th committee as well, Benny Thompson. Okay, Representative Benny Thompson, the chair of the House Homeland Security Committee, said members are also discussing other next steps, including potential bills and hearings. So I think Biden should have given given an update. Now, he doesn't want to get ahead of what Congress is doing, but he should at least have mentioned the Domestic Terrorism uh, uh, Threat Act. Okay, the domestic terrorism for prevention that he should have at least mentioned it, mentioned it by name today, and that Democrats were bringing this up in the um, uh, House committee, okay, the House Rules Committee, and that we need to get this bill passed. Now, Representative John Catco, Republican of New York, who, uh, Representative uh, Kevin McCarthy of California put in charge of negotiating with the Democrats the terms of the January 6th committee. And then when the Democrats agreed to what McCarthy wanted and John Catco negotiated this, then McCarthy just backed out of it and said, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a sham. It's, 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 you know, it's just a witch hunt, things like this. Representative John Catco, Republican of New York, the ranking Republican on the House, uh, on the, um, I think that's the House Judiciary Committee, said he's sure there will be a response, but that we've got to know the facts first, all the facts, what led up to everything. Yeah, we're going to know. We're going to know what led up to everything. Teresa Kennedy a spokesperson for Representative Brian Higgins of the 26th Congressional District, who you just heard earlier in the show, the interview that Good Morning America did with him on Monday morning, May 15th, uh, or May 16th, I should say, May 16th. Representative Brian Higgins, Democrat, New York, 26th Congressional District, who represents Buffalo, said legislation to address causes and prosecution of domestic terror is being discussed. Teresa Kennedy, spokesperson for Representative Brian Higgins, also cited plans for a resolution to condemn the shooting as an act of racially motivated violent extremism, as an act of racially motivated violent extremism and reaffirm lawmakers' commitment to combat bigotry and violence. 
Okay, that don't that don't that doesn't hold a whole lot of weight, but it's nice that you do it and put it on record, but that don't hold a whole lot of weight. The domestic violence, the, I mean say the domestic terrorism prevention act has a, a whole lot more weight. That's the actual law. Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, told Politico and CNN that he thinks the Senate should act on his bill with Senator Pat Toomey, Republican of, of Pennsylvania, to expand gun background checks, to introduce, uh, to expand gun background checks, introduced in the wake of the 2012 Sandy Hook shooting. Problem is you need 60 votes in the Senate. So pressure has to be put on 10 Republicans to vote for the bill. Now, well, nah, nah. Senator Pat Toomey will, will vote, but Senator Pat Toomey, um, he's retiring. So into this session, you know, he's out of there. But you need nine other Republicans to vote for this. You could probably get Susan Collins. and You could probably get Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski. You need nine other Republicans to vote for this background check. Okay, this mandatory background check bill, expanding background checks. Senator Manchin said, I think that would be the least offensive thing, he said. If you can't pass Manchin to me, how are you going to get enough votes for anything? You could say the same thing about the John Lewis Voting Rights Act or the Freedom to Vote Act, which was Joe Manchin's bill. Okay, Manchin and Cinema did vote for those two bills, voting rights bills, but the no Republicans in the in the Senate voted for the bill. And even 16 sitting Republicans who in 2006 voted to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act. None of those 16 Republicans like Senator Lindsey Graham and Senator Mitch McConnell and Senator uh, Chuck Grassley. None of them voted for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act or the Freedom to Vote Act. Okay, so check that out at uh, Axios.com. And then also, um, there's a good article from NBC News as well from, from uh, today. I think this is from the 16th. After Buffalo House Democrats to tee up vote on domestic terrorism bill. So this is the type of legislation you need stuff like this. This has to be pushed through both the House and the Senate to get this passed. That's from May 16, 2022. This is something I think uh, Biden should have talked about today, even though he's going to push to get this passed. I think though all those things I laid out, I think those are things he should have packaged in his speech today. I think he should have packaged all those in his speech today to give people a better understanding who don't follow politics on a daily basis, what's going on. All right. Hey, if you like this type of information, uh, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. And, um, We have the information on the homepage of our website, also AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. 
pay some of the bills. So if you like this type of information, you can definitely use your support. Uh, when you go to our Cash App account, it's dollar sign the AHN show S H O W. It says Michael and shows my picture there. These other ones here, fake African History Network Cash App accounts. There's some other ones. Uh, Cash App still has this investigation. So uh, I'm trying to get them shut down. Here's our link. And we have the yellow donate button also for, for PayPal. Um, register for the online history class I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. And if you've taken any of my online classes before, uh, this one here we do Saturdays. Next class is on the 21st. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. It's, it's a visual class. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. Classes on sale, $80, regular $130. You don't have to be present in class. Uh, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime, okay? So uh, even a year from now, two years from now, you can go back and watch the entire course. Um, if you've taken any of my online classes in the past, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. You get a 50% discount. And then also we have a bundle pack. You get uh, all three online classes I teach for $120. It's a $285 value. Uh, so click right here for register here. Register this content and you can start watching. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win, Wakanda forever. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on our social media platform. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a heart. Give us a like uh, on this broadcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Ido Network International, in collaboration with STL Black Woman, DACA, and ACTA, present the Royal Pilgrimage to the Americas, August 24th through the 28th. The African kings and queens are coming to you for business, networking, and sharing of Pan-African ideals. The venue will be the illustrious En Garde Arts Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri. A royal cultural experience and exhibition, trade and investment opportunities in Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas. A royal Pan-African summit hosting keynote speakers and a red carpet banquet. Come and witness our African royal coronation ceremony. Register at www.idonetwork.org to book your ticket to wine and dine with African royalty. Vendor opportunities available. Get face-to-face -face with the royals who own the land and resources for business. Contact DACA for deal room information at 602-730-4572. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008 and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey the Business of Beings was released in December 2021 and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human were both published 
in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world and I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share.